Well, good morning to everyone, and uh, happy Father's Day. Um, beautiful day outside. Great to be back. I heard you had a great service last week, and hopefully um, I'll try to duplicate that this week. So being Father's Day, I prepared a Father's Day message for us today. It's in the book of Joshua. You might want to turn to Joshua chapter uh, 1. Chapter 1, Joshua. We'll be looking at verses 5 to 9. So if you have a Bible or a media device, you might want to use that. But let me just begin by saying that you will not be a good father until you're a good man. You're not going to be a good father until you are a good man. Now the Marines, they know that. They have a slogan. We're looking for a few good men. We're looking for a few good men. I'm going to read these statistics to you and you're going to be uh, devastated when you hear them because I believe that the moral fabric of our country has to do a lot with fathers. So I want you to listen to these uh, statistics. There's almost 75% of American children living without fathers and they're going to experience poverty before they turn 11 years old and only 20% of children living in homes with fathers will do the same. This is according to the National Commission on children. And children in fatherless homes, they're five times more likely to be poor, and 8% of children in homes with fathers present, they're living in poverty compared to 39% of children in fatherless families, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services state fatherless children, they are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school, according to the U.S. Department of Health. Adolescent females between the ages of 15 to 19 years old, reared in homes without fathers, are significantly more likely to engage in premarital sex than adolescent females reared in homes with both a mother and a father, according to the Journal of Marriage and Family. Bottom line, bottom line, many professionals who deal with family and social issues, and myself included, say that almost every social ill faced by America's children is related to fatherlessness. You get that? Fathers, you're important. You're an important piece of the structure, the family, in our society, and in the world. Now, some of you dads might be saying, well, I, I go to church. I do my part. I do what I'm supposed to be doing. I sing the songs, I pray, I do all of that. Isn't that, isn't that good enough? Well, let me just tell you the story, okay? 
There's a captain of a ship. The ship was sinking. It was in a, a storm. It was really bad. And so the captain says, is there anybody here who knows how to pray? One guy raised his hand. He said, yes, I, I know how to pray. He said, that's good because we're one life jacket short. I don't know if you get that or not. But I want to tell you, you see, being a good man requires a little bit more than going to church, a little bit more than praying. It requires putting a life jacket on. That man in the boat might have been praying, but without a life jacket, he was dead. So we can come to church and we can pray and we can do all the things that we normally would do here, but if you don't have that life jacket on, if you're not living out the life, it means absolutely nothing. All you're doing is going through the motions here. You need to have a life jacket on. Because the Bible tells us that we should not be just do hearers of the word, but doers of the word. That's what makes it come alive. That's what makes it come real. Doers of the word. You're praying in the ship. You don't have a life jacket on. You need a little bit more than just prayer. It requires being courageous. That's what our passage of scripture talks about today. Joshua going into the promised land and he was strong. He says, be strong and be courageous. It requires men to be strong and courageous. A total commitment to Jesus Christ. It requires drawing a line in the sand and taking a stand for what is right. It requires bringing the light into a world that's filled with darkness. It requires men willing to give their all for a righteous cause. It requires men standing up for truth in a world filled with lies. It requires men to stare death right in the face and say, my God is bigger than that. It requires men who have the wisdom of Solomon and the strength of Samson. It requires men who have the guts to shine their lights in a world that's filled with darkness. It requires men to be leaders in their homes. It requires men who are courageous and fearless when it comes to following Jesus Christ and leading their families. I want you to listen to something. I want you to listen to this. Listen to God's command to Joshua to lead his people into the promised land Listen to what God says to men now, to men. Listen to what he says to men who are called to lead the way. Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. Listen to this. It says, be strong and be courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and be very courageous. 
Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and be courageous and do not tremble, do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Boy, that's a powerful passage of scripture. But did you notice there three times in that passage? It says be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. Now I took the, uh, the liberty of looking that up in the Hebrew because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Well, what does that mean? Be strong and courageous in the Hebrew? It means be strong and courageous. That's what it means. It means be strong and be courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I want to tell you something, folks. Listen to this clearly. Wherever God puts a period at the end of the sentence, do not change it to a question mark. Because it is difficult. Because it doesn't make sense to you. Because it is hard to do. He puts the period there. Don't change it to a question mark. Questioning what God is telling you to do. If he's telling you to be strong and courageous, he'll supply you with everything you need to be strong and be courageous. Don't question God when it gets tough. Don't question God when there's trials and there's tribulations and there's things that you can't understand. You be strong and you be courageous in your families and in your life. So fathers, you might ask the question, why do I need to be strong? Why do I need to be courageous? Well, first of all, I have two points. First of all, your wife and your children expect something from you. Your wife and your children, they expect something from you. Why? Because the Bible says so. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. Listen, folks. This is God's word. Especially fathers. Listen up. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. There's a headship involved, men. And then listen to this. 
In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You see, you have an obligation to be the head of your wife in the home and to instruct your children. You're a leader. You're leading the way. You're the one that's the point man to your family. But fathers, you need to lead your families. You need to draw a line in the sand and live out God's truth and principles as men, as husbands, and as fathers. And that's what we fathers need to do, remembering that people don't change by chance, they change by choice. People don't change by chance, they change by choice. And you have a choice before you today. And some of you fathers, it's in your hand, you have a resolution in your hand. Hopefully it's been passed out to everybody. Is there anybody here, any, any male, who is a, who's a husband or father, who doesn't have a resolution in their hand? Can you raise your hand? Everybody has one? Okay, that's good. So that's in your hands and it's what God requires for dads to do in order to lead their families. It's a resolution that I had Deb and others pass out this morning before God. What is this resolution? It's a resolution to take full responsibility for yourself, for your wife, and for your children. But there's several things that need to be discussed before any resolutions are made. Bad men excuse their faults, but good men set them aside. Bad men excuse their faults, but good men set them aside. Fathers, will you stop? Will you stop making excuses? Excuses for yourself and stop living in blame shifting and in denial? Be a man? Be a man! and walk by faith, not by sight, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 7. You see, you'll never be able to conquer what you're unwilling to confront. You'll never be able to conquer what you're unwilling to confront. Jesus faced his own death by confronting it at Gethsemane. There he was on his knees, sweating drops of blood, crying out to the Father, vacillating back and forth, and yet he falls on the side of, not my will be done, but thy will be done. He makes a choice. He confronts it. He deals with it. You'll never conquer what you're unwilling to confront. So you, all of us today, especially dads, don't need to decide whether you want to be a fan of Jesus or whether you want to be a follower of Jesus. We have so many fans of Jesus. Everybody you talk to loves Jesus, but few people live 
for Jesus. Many call him Savior, but few call him Lord. There is a difference. So we have a lot of fans, but few followers. And Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You see that? That separates those who are fans and those who are followers. Some of you need, need to stop playing church. You need to get real with God. Forget about all those pious platitudes that we have and live out what my name in my counseling ministry is. Live that out. It's called Aletheia Counseling Ministry. I purposely called it that because in the Greek it means truth and reality. Many Christians don't live in truth and reality. They live in pious platitudes. I live in real time. I live in truth and reality. I'm urging all of you to do the same. Live in truth. Live in reality. When you walk outside, the world doesn't care that you've been in here, that you've been worshiping, you've been hearing the word of God. They don't care. You know how to navigate in a world outside? It takes truth. It takes reality. It takes making this Bible come alive to each and every one of us as we walk out here. So few Christians know how to live the Christian life, know how to live life at all. They're so in tuned with the television set, with their computers, with their little gadgets that they have. They don't know truth anymore. You'll never conquer what you're unwilling to confront. And don't be just a fan of Jesus. Be a follower of Jesus. Lastly, don't let the service just fill you with a lot of head knowledge, but you lack the faith and courage to follow through with what you have learned. So again, don't leave here just a smarter sinner. Leave here as a Christian who's on fire for Jesus Christ because he loves you, because he died for you on that cross, and he's called you to be salt and light to the world. This is not just a feel-good service today. This is to build you up to go out the whole world and preach the gospel to the lost. Not just cursing your television set when you see negativity every single day. It's not cursing the darkness, but it's lighting a candle that we're all about. That's what this is about. Jesus said in John 13, 17, one of my favorite verses, it's good that you know these things, but you're blessed when you do them. I ask people all the time, when do the blessings come? When you know things or when you do them? It's simple. It's in the scriptures. John 13, 17. It says, you'll be blessed when you do what God says to do. So you know a lot of uh, Christians think it's all about being happy. They all want to be happy. They want to listen to what Jesus says and they want to come and be happy and their lives fall into place. Can I just tell you something? This is reality. It is not about happiness. It is not about happiness. It is about holiness. It is about holiness. And when you are holy, 
you'll be happy. See how it works? You're striving after happiness, but not holiness. You'll never find it. Because you need to be holy before you're happy. And if you don't have that, you're striving after the wind, my friends. You're just striving after the wind. Your wife and children expect something from you, dads. And here's what they expect. You all have this resolution in your hands, dads. All you dads have a resolution. I'm going to ask you dads right now if you do this with me. You know, Jesus, when he died on the cross for us, he died publicly. And I'm asking you to stand publicly now. So if you're a father, you're a dad, you're a dad, even if you don't have any children, we're going to ask you to stand right now. Take a stand. Just stand up right now. And you have that resolution in your hand. All the dads have a resolution in their hands. I'm going to ask you dads right now to stand and repeat this resolution with me. Talk to me. Share it with me. Some of you fathers, you, you may mean what this resolution says, and some other fathers are just standing because I asked you to stand. This is going to blow past you. It means absolutely nothing. Or maybe you don't have the courage to live this out. I don't know about that, but you know, as a man of God, as a man of God, I'm obligated to share this with you. I'm obligated to exhort you. I'm obligated to ask you to fulfill this resolution because it's biblical, because it's something that God wants us to do. So whether you are ready to commit to it or not, that's going to be between you and between God. But what you have before you is God's word, God's challenge to you, God's exhortation to you. That's what's before you on Father's Day today. This is a resolution that you need to make to the Lord, to your wife, and to your children if you have any. This is a resolution that you need to make. So I want you to say this resolution with me right now. Okay, let's say it together. I do solemnly resolve before God to take full responsibility for myself, my wife, and my children. I will love them, protect them, serve them, and teach them the Word of God as the spiritual leader of my home. I will be faithful to my wife to love and honor her and be willing to lay down my life for her as Jesus Christ did for me. I will bless my children and teach them to love God with all of their hearts, all of their minds, and all of their strength. I will train them to honor authority and live responsibly. I will confront evil, pursue justice, and love mercy. I will pray for others and treat them with kindness and respect and compassion. I will work diligently to provide for the needs of my family. I will forgive those who have wronged me and reconcile with those I have wronged. And I will learn from my mistakes, repent of my sins, and walk with integrity as a man answerable to God. 
I will seek to honor God, be faithful to his church, obey his word, and do his will. I will courageously work with the strength of God who provides to fulfill this resolution for the rest of my life and for his glory. Now you notice there's a little place there where you can put your signature and if you're strong and courageous enough you can have a couple of witnesses signed there as well to show that you stood and you made this resolution today that you are going to be the leader of your family for your Lord and for your wife and for your children if you have any. So I ask you to be seated now. And I want you to remember though that resolution. This is not just a little game of formality that we're playing today. This is real stuff. This is real stuff. It certainly separates the men from the boys. So dads, we need to be strong and courageous because well, number one, your wife and children expect something from you. They expect something from you. Number two, my second and my last point is this. God expects something from you. He expects you to be the head of your household. This is a given, my friends. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, the husband is the head of the wife. That's a given. A husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. So are you leading as the scripture commands, or are you dumping a heavy load on your wife and on your family? God expects something from you. To be a wise counselor who leads their children in righteousness. Ephesians 6, chapter 4, we've said it before. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the question is, fathers, are you? Are you raising your children on godly principles and on truth, or are you raising them based on misinformation that you received as a young person, maybe through the pain, maybe through your parents, maybe through the experiences, maybe through the traditions, maybe through the culture that you've learned, and you do not hear God's voice loud and clear, but you hear the other voices in the world, and that's the way you're raising your family? That's wrong, folks. You raise your family through the word of God. His voice and his voice alone. No other voices. They come secondary to God's voice. You get that? But we're raising families. Well, this is the way my father did it. This is the way my mother did it. This is the pain that I've been through in life. These are the experiences that I went through. So I'm passing all of this on to my children. Wrong. You're in the devil's territory not God's territory. You want to be in God's territory? Then you listen to his voice, no other voices around you. They become secondary unless they line up with God's 
voice. So is it God's voice that holds the trump card in your life? Or is it your dysfunctional past, your poor guidance that you might have received growing up that dominates your decision making? You see, God expects you also to be a good provider. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he's denied the faith and worse than an unbeliever. Worse than an unbeliever. Some of you are, you're holding out. I guess you're waiting. You're waiting for the perfect job, for the perfect circumstance, perfect something to fall into place. Fathers, fathers, do not let perfection become the enemy of good. We're looking for perfection. But in the midst of that are a lot of good things that need to take place. We never reach perfection in this world. If you're trying to reach perfection, it will never happen. But we can be good. And that's what we're striving for. Don't let perfection become the enemy of good. God says, if you are faithful in the small things, I'll give you greater things. And his word tells us here, that when we're faithful in the small things, he'll give us greater things, but he says he'll give us grace to help in time of need. God expects you too, to be sure to make time for those you love and pray for them. Now, Jesus here gives us the best example about that. You know the people that we have around us that we need to gather around us and our family to be close to them and love them? Jesus gives us a perfect example of that as he's calling his apostles to become a family and minister with him. He says in Mark chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, and he, Jesus, he appointed 12 that they may be what? With him that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. You see, families, that's a great example for us. Jesus had these men around him to watch him, to hear him, to see what he was doing, becoming a family. You see, families spend time together. Families pray together, they share together, they love together, and they face spiritual battles together. Not divided. You have so many families divided today. That's the real issue. It's not guns, it's not mental illness, it's a moral breakdown in our society. Families are breaking down. That's what the main problem is. What does God require? from every father. Bottom line, someone once said this, every choice that you're making, every step that you're taking, every chain that you're breaking is history in the making when it comes to leading your family. Now if you're a Christian, fathers, and you claim that Jesus Christ is your Lord, and he's your savior, then this is a perfect time for you to fulfill that resolution that you stood and you, you read 
And this is a perfect time for you to fulfill that resolution to the Lord and to your wife and to your children. Because every choice that you're making and every step that you're taking and every chain that you are breaking is history in the making when it comes to leading your family. And fathers, may this be, may this be our battle cry. God, help me so my faith will stay. My faith will grow sometimes fast and sometimes slow through the wind and through the rain. But through your grace, my faith will remain. You got it? My faith will stay. My faith will grow sometimes fast, sometimes slow, through the wind and through the rain. But by your grace, my faith will remain. Joshua. Joshua. He says to us in Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Be courageous. Do not tremble. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Joshua 24.15, we sang the song. He comes into the promised land. Oh, there's years and months in the making of coming into the promised land. And so when they come into the promised land, there's so many of his people that begin to fall by the wayside. They fall to demonic forces. They fall to idolatry. They fall to all kinds of things. But Joshua stands. And he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love that line that's drawn in the sand. Because that's what we all need to do. That's what that resolution was all about. Drawing a line in the sand and saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's my intentions. That's what I want to do as a husband and as a father. That's what we all need to be doing. That's what I'm calling all of us to do today. To draw that line in the sand. Don't listen to the world. Don't listen to the flesh. Don't listen to the devil. Listen to God. His word that's alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. You listen to that. Make that voice number one. Not all the other voices in the world. So be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Our God is with us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, but God is with me. He's with us. He loves us. He gave his son for us. That should say it all. Father in heaven, you are a great God. On this Father's Day, we have so many reasons to rejoice in the midst of the trials and tribulations of life. We don't have to dismay because you're with us. You've given us your word, you've given us your strength, your power, your grace. You give it all to us. You said we have everything we need for life and for godliness. So everything in my book means everything. 
So, Father, help us to step out in faith and be the fathers that you want us to be today and in the days ahead. And all of God's people said, Amen.